Hey, I'm Stephen Hovatter, the lead minister at Central Church of Christ in Little Rock, Arkansas. Our goal as a church is to follow Jesus together. So we gather on Sunday mornings for Bible study at 9 a.m. and worship at 10, 15 a.m. And you'd always be welcome to join us. To learn more, go to arcentralchurch.org. Thanks for listening, and we hope to see you soon. Good morning, everyone. I am not... Week off while his wife, Kelly, and the girls are in Gatlinburg, Tennessee with, at Winterfest, where a lot of our young folks are and some adults. As you can look over here, there's a big empty section. I think it's where most all of them are. So keep them in your prayers. They should be back tonight around 6, 6.30 thereabouts. And uh, looking forward to hearing all the good things that they learned and experienced in the time that they grew together. Uh, glad that you're here today. If you missed class this morning, join us next Sunday at 9 o'clock for class. We have some great conversation and community time. Every Sunday morning at 9, we're going through the, um, the book of Romans. And tonight, many of us will meet in uh, different small groups around central Arkansas. So be sure to be a part of that. We're in the middle of a series on prayer. And Stephen has just brought some really rich stuff in the last few weeks. Wouldn't you say? Really good stuff. Last two weeks especially been just some powerful things that struck home with me. Thank you so much for that. As a part of what we've been going through, uh, we talked about in staff meeting uh, about having some times to share testimonies about prayer and your prayer life. And so this morning, I want to kind of share some things that for me, uh, God has shown me about prayer, some different ways that I've grown in my prayer life or have come to see things differently than I did 10 years ago, 40 years ago, however long that's been. Uh, some of my most important lessons in life have been learned traveling. Remember back in 1986, I got on a plane for the very first time ever and flew to Dallas, Texas for a connecting flight to Europe. Spent six weeks in Germany over there in Switzerland. And I remember the first night we got there, we traveled for many hours on long flights. We finally get to the place that we're staying in Germany. And I remember taking my... my uh, contact lenses out and putting them in a case and then reaching over for my, my glasses that I wear when I'm not using contacts and realizing they're back in Mountain Home, Arkansas. And here I am in the middle of Germany. And so I spent the next six weeks being exceedingly careful with my contact lenses. This is back before you had you know, easy access to purchase things like that. And I remember playing volleyball one afternoon at Frankfurt with some friends, sand volleyball, and one of my friends got up and spiked the ball and it hit me right in the face, and a grain of sand went right through my lens into my eye, and spending the next few hours scraping out that little speck of sand and, and nursing that thing. So I remember from now on when I'm traveling, always take eye stuff with you. You're going to want that stuff. And then a few, uh, probably our 15th wedding anniversary, we went on a cruise a few years later, just to save up some money to go on something special. And uh, getting up that morning and, and putting my contacts in, they weren't quite clear yet, and trying to hurry so we can get down to that all-you-can-eat buffet. And I'm, I squirt the stuff on my toothbrush, and I'm brushing and brushing and brushing. It doesn't taste right. And I realize I've put on the, um, an anti-itch cream in my toothpaste, and so my, my teeth did not itch uh, at all. Yeah. So lots of little lessons like that. We went to Scotland 
with some people that we sent over as missionaries back around 2004, 2005. We took a group from Central here. About 15 of us went over and spent a week. And uh, I remember the first night spending there with my friends, uh, Nathan and Stacy Hogue, who had grown up there and were over there now being our, our missionaries and uh, sleeping on one of their beds that they had let me come and stay in their home. And it was really cold in Scotland. And I remember laying on the bed and pulling this sheet over. I thought, this is all there is to sleep on? is this bed and this one sheet, and this little kind of a crochet, crocheted bed sheet thing. I was freezing to death, but I was embarrassed to say anything to my friends. I thought maybe they expected me to bring my own bedding or something crazy like that. Maybe this is Scottish hospitality. And after the second night, my friend Nathan comes to me the next morning and says, hey, um, Stacy noticed that, the, that the, the big comforter that's really tucked in tightly on the bed has not been pulled back at all. And I was like, oh, so there's more than just the sheet and the crochet doily thing on top of the bed. He said, yeah, have you just been sleeping? I, I, actually, I'd been the second night, I, I had pulled out all the clothes out of my suitcase and was sleeping under them. And he said, friend, we've known each other a long time. Always ask questions. And I was like, well, by the way, I forgot my toothbrush. Do you have one of those? <laughs> so I was brushing my teeth with my finger. So along the journey, we learn lots of things. And I want to share just three things this morning that I have learned on my journey of prayer. We're all on a prayer journey. A part of our walk with God is learning how to communicate with God and to be able to speak to him and, and receive back from him, to hear from him and how to discern what that means, what that looks like, what that sounds like. And, and I've just got three things I have learned and I want to share with you this morning that God has taught me that are powerful lessons. And there's some notes on the back if you want to get one off the table later. That way you don't have to take notes this morning. The first thing is, God is comfortable with silence. God's comfortable with silence. But we're not, usually, right? Like 30 seconds, you're like, hey, Wade, come on, shorten this sermon, start talking again. Have you ever ridden with somebody for a long uh, car trip and uh, they're not comfortable with silence and they just keep talking and bringing stuff up and you're like, hey, let's put on a CD or let's put on some music. Or, Here's my AirPods. Why don't you listen to these for a while? Uh, those kinds of situations. God is comfortable with silence, and it's, it's okay to have times and seasons in your life where you don't have lots of verbal, cognitive, thought-through prayer life with God. Because lots of times, the silence that you have between you and the person you're riding with in the car is a reflection of the level of comfort and trust that you have with each other. If I can ride in the car with my family for a good period of time and we don't talk, that's okay. I don't doubt that they love me. I don't think that they're mad at me. I know at some point they're going to want to stop the car and go to the bathroom and find a McDonald's, and they're going to share those things. But it's okay to have times in your life where you are quiet with God. He's quiet with you. Because your quietness with Him can be a prayer that says, Lord, I trust you. I've got all that I need. And it's okay that we have this time together that we don't share a lot of words back and forth. Does that make sense? Yes? And, and I want you to reflect in your own way, think these things through in your own prayer journey. What are some things you've learned? I hope we'll have a chance in the next couple of weeks to 
kind of unpack some things you've learned, some questions you have, maybe some things that you disagree about. Let's talk about those things. But that's the first thing I've learned. The second thing I've learned is it's good to agree with what God says about me. It's good to agree with what God says about me. One of the things I learned growing up in prayer was imitate everybody else's prayers. Uh, say the things that they say. This is how you learn things. This is how we learn languages. Uh, we, we learn to pray by listening to somebody else. We learn vocabulary by listening to other people talk. And growing up, we always had a couple of guys who were former missionaries in uh, Eastern Europe, and they loved to get up and pray long years. One of them would get up and pray almost through a couple of psalms, and he would say, Lord, I thank you for this amazing day. I thank you for your creation of the mountains, and he would describe the mountains from the top to the bottom and the sea and the, uh, the uh, rivers that flow through it, and he would describe all this stuff, and, and at first we were all like, well, this is a great thing to do, pray some amazing things on a Sunday morning when everyone else is ready to go to lunch. It got to the point that we were timing his prayers, and some of his prayers got to be over 15 minutes long. Uh, and you're thinking to yourself, well, you... You all, if your heart was right with God, you would have not been timing his prayers. Listen, we tried to pray along with him, but it was just got to a place where it just didn't stick. didn't make sense to us. We, had a, we struggled with that. Um, and so we learned to, to think about God as somebody who liked long, eloquent things being said about him in front of people who were uncomfortable listening to it. And then you had other people that would get up and talk about God as if God hated us. Uh, there were some folks that would get up and say, Lord, we know that you are so, so disappointed with us and that, that you're just so sorry that you made us and that you wish, you know, maybe that there could be a second flood or something like that, that they would talk about God in a way that just seemed just so, so different. And so we walked away from prayer that we were experiencing and were learning from thinking, God doesn't want us around, or if he does, he wants us to be really eloquent in a certain way of praying. Am I feeding back a lot? Are you hearing feedback? You can turn my monitors completely off if you want to. There you go. Perfect. And so we, we lots of us grew up thinking that we, we didn't want to pray. Prayer was not something you, sh you should do a lot because it was just a weird thing because God thought bad things about us. One of the things I've learned, the second thing I've learned is that it's important to agree with God and to pray the things that God says about you through his word. Just to get some scripture in front of you and pray through those things. I'll give you a, three of them that have really hit me in the last year or so. Out of 2 Peter chapter 1, Peter says, His divine power has given us everything we need for our godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. God has given us everything that we need. Everything. We don't lack anything at all. And it's okay to pray to God and say, God, thank you that you have given me everything I need for life and godliness. I've got it all. I don't have to worry anymore. I know that out there someplace those things are placed or somewhere around me those things are placed. I need to look for them. But thank you, Lord, that you have given me all that I need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who's called us. Have you ever bought a car? Uh, my wife made me buy a, a car uh, summer before last, because I've been driving the same one with no air conditioning for several years. She says, we, we've got to get one with, with air conditioning for you. So we bought a car, a nice 2015 Ford Explorer, 
really deep, pretty red, got air conditioning, nice stereo. And I thought, I've never seen one of these before. This is a really nice car. And so we're driving it around. And I noticed in the next two weeks, there are red Ford Explorers that look exactly like mine everywhere. I pulled into the Verizon store to do some business work for the church here, and there were three others that looked exactly like mine, same trim model, same everything. I saw them everywhere I went. When I begin agreeing with God in prayer about what he says about me, I begin to open my eyes and my imagination to see the things he's provided in the world around me. second one I'll give you is from 2 Corinthians 5. If anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. When I began praying this one, Lord, thank you that you came into this world and you've made me a new creation and it's true now. It's not true someday, it's true now. And thank you that the old is gone, the new is here. You've given me a job to do, which is to reconcile other people to you. And that you're not counting my sins against me anymore. Thank you that you're not counting my sins against me anymore. And I began to pray that over and over again. And I began, every time I started to think God's probably mad at me, he's, he's holding this sin against me, he's angry about something I did 20 years ago. And I remember, oh yeah, it says it right there, 2 Corinthians 5, he's not counting sins against me anymore. I don't need to be on this emotional roller coaster where I have to have these highs that confirm that he's loving me and forgiving me or these lows to convict me. It's just a reality. This is what God thinks about me. And the final verse I'll give you is Hebrews chapter 2. Both the one who makes people holy and those who are made holy are the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. I, I learned to pray this one, that God is not ashamed of me. God made me holy through Jesus. I am holy currently. Maybe I'm not perfect. Maybe I still sin, but I am in front of him. I'm holy. And he is not ashamed of me. So many people I talk to, both believers and non-believers alike, live in shame live in uncertainty, live in doubt. I remember when I was young in the youth group and we had these discussions like, if you died tonight, if you got hit by a Mack truck on the way home, where would your soul go? And most people were like, I don't know. I just don't know. And so few people had any certainty because most of them felt God's ashamed of me. And somehow we've learned to pick up on the things that we say about each other and about God and we project them onto God and think this is what he thinks about us because this is what we think about ourselves or each other. And he says plainly, he is not ashamed of us. So I want to encourage you to, to learn the lesson I've learned is to read through scripture and pray those things aloud, the promises he's made about us aloud. On that piece of paper in the back, there's a, a note of a place you can go. It's a heartlight.org. It's an old website from way back in the day. And there's a guy named Eldon Dedge who died way back in the day as well. And he wrote this book called Praying with Paul. And he takes all of Paul's letters and he's written them up in 365 prayers from Romans all the way to the end of his letters. And there's a prayer for every day. You can access them one a day through an email. Or you can get them all at one time and see them whenever you want to. But to learn to pray with Paul and agree with God about what he says about us is an amazing thing. 
And the final thing I want to share with you that I've learned is to be yourself when you're talking with God. There's no need to be formal. And if that's where you are in life and you still want to use thee and thou and bigger words, that's fine, but you don't have to. Jesus says, I call you friends. He loves us that much. Romans says, it's the spirit that enables us to say, Abba, Father, that we have a close relationship so that I can say some amazing things to God just straight from my heart. No word count minimum like I'm writing a term paper. Remember back in the day when I was grading college term papers, both freshmen all the way through seniors, and I would say, I want it to be five pages long, and this is supposed to be your column width all the way around, and this is your font, and this is the font size. No wingdings, 25 size font. It's going to be this. How many of them could be so creative in writing papers and just cramming stuff in there? And, and there was no reason to do all that. Just, you know, just tell me the stuff you know. God doesn't expect lots of flowery stuff. He loves it when you say what is from your heart. Uh, I grew up hearing people say, that person prayed such beautiful prayers. And they did. They were beautiful prayers for them. But too often we had this feeling like we had to pray those same prayers as well. Just be yourself and use the words that God's given you, the questions that God's given you on your heart, and just say those same things. It's like a, I can't imagine my youngest child coming into me and saying, Oh, Father, who sired me with mom, knew me from the moment I was born, diapered me, fed me, burped me, sat me in time out when it was needed, clothed me and raised me even unto this day. Can I go to the trampoline park with my friends? Um, no. But we have that relationship already. He can just come into me and say, Dad, what do you think about this? In the same way, it's important for us to be that way with God. And just to say what's on your heart. And let it be from you. That's the most beautiful prayer you can possibly pray. Some of the best wedding vows I have ever uh, experienced doing weddings over the last few decades. Lots of people say, I don't care. Just give us some traditional vows. Take out the part about her supposed to obey him. You know, all the basic stuff that I want to hear. But sometimes people say, you know, give us some of the traditional things, but let us write our own stuff as well. And some of those things that they write, though not very deep perhaps, are very meaningful and powerful because you know that they've thought them through and it's from their heart. I got one of them here that uh, this, this isn't from an actual family that I married because I don't want to share anybody's personal stuff. But this is one I got was really good off the internet here. Dan, do you promise to kill spiders and everything else that Monica deems creepy or gross? Do you promise to let Monica rein you in at the music store because you probably have enough guitars for now? Do you promise not to steal the covers at night or beat Monica up because you're having a ninja nightmare again? Do you vow to embrace Monica's love of the ocean and enjoy it with her as often as feasible? Monica, do you promise to attend car shows with Dan and at least pretend to show an interest in horsepower, engines, and custom modifications, even if you have no idea what he's talking about? Do you promise to go fishing, provided he takes care of the slimy, scaly, pokey, or just mean-spirited mean, mean things? Um, do you promise to let Dan rein you in at the shoe store because you probably have enough shoes for now? Do you promise to scoop kitty litter and try not to bring any home any more straight, and so forth and so on? Because you know that they've thought things through to the future, and they're wanting to share a life together, and they mean those things. One of the things I've seen over the last few years with, uh, with, with couples is that they don't often think way ahead, 
And when someone actually writes their own vows and says that, that's a pretty powerful thing. So the third thing for you is just be yourself and share what God said to you and let that be a beautiful prayer to him. He wants to hear what you have to say, and he's going to speak back to you. We're going to unpack hopefully some of that here in a few weeks ahead. But I want to encourage you this week to think about your prayer life. Think about when it starts. Do you have a formal time? If Stephen's been talking about, do you have this quiet time? Do you struggle with the noise? Whatever it is, work through your prayer life. See how, how he has brought you from one point in the past to where it is today. And, and share some of those things with each other in class and in your small groups. Well, I hope that you are encouraged to know that God loves you where you are today. As we talked about in Romans chapter 5, before you were even born and before you even knew it, he died for you. And he welcomes you into his presence. Hebrews says that at any point in time, you can come to him in your time of need and you will receive grace and mercy. May you receive that this week. We're going to stand together and sing.